Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce uh, Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. We continue, as always, twice every week to bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce. And as usual, this week is no different. Uh, keep in mind, as I always say, a consultation is so important, and you can't take this podcast in lieu of a consultation. It's not legal advice, and we can't establish an attorney-client relationship. There's just too many facts and circumstances in your case that matter. So give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. We want to have a conversation with you, point you in the right direction. Check us out on the web at cordellcordell.com. Again, give us a call, 866-DADS-LAW. If you have questions and you want those answered, uh, we can do that at the town hall that we have coming up in March. You can send an email to townhalls at cordellaw.com, townhalls at cordellaw.com, or you can register for that town hall, log in live, uh, join our panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys, ask questions live and get answers right then and right there. So check it out uh, on the web, cordellcordell.com, and also check out our YouTube channel. It's got plenty of information and resources, podcasts, webinars, and town halls on an issue I guarantee that we'll have for you on that channel. So check out the YouTube channel. So let's get started today. Uh, Join with Cody Open, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Scott. Thanks. Let's talk about a topic which is so interesting as we continue to roll along. been doing this for about 13 months. We haven't touched this topic, believe it or not, in the entire 13-month span, which is double dipping in business valuations. And I know this is a huge problem. Um, so when you when guys see this topic, they probably won't understand what it is. So let's break it down for them. First and foremost, what is double dipping when we're looking at businesses and assets when you're valuing it? Yeah, so double dipping occurs um, primarily in business uh, cases, but it can also occur in other capital asset cases, including pensions. And basically what it consists of is when the court will consider the value of that business in the property settlement and then also use the income generated from that asset in assigning spousal support or even child support in some cases. So what that can lead to is the asset being double counted and essentially the other party being assigned more than their fair share or in some extreme cases, the entire value of that asset over time. I, I think it's a huge issue. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the attorney not understanding it. You know, they'll come into court and say, well, of course, you know, he makes this and that's got to be counted towards evaluation, 100,000. And we want to use the same 100,000 for spousal support and child support calculations and or it's intentional. One or the other, maybe... You know, because I see it quite often and I get in these arguments and if you break it down with an example, judges tend to understand it. And I think, you know, people listening to this will too. So maybe give our listeners an example of what this means so they can kind of fill their own shoes and understand where it's coming from. Sure thing. So the example I came up with is suppose we have a client named Jim who owns a fast food franchise restaurant and makes around 200000 a year um, from all sources of income in that restaurant. Now, some of that income is going to be attributable to his own labor acting as a manager if he owns and operates the restaurant. So if he were to make, if the going rate in the industry was 40000 what you'd have to do to determine what amount of the business income is coming from ownership of that income and not Jim's labor would be to subtract the going rate of the services he's providing from the business income. So in this case, if the going rate was 40000 he's making 200000 from the business total the excess income would be 160,000. And that would be the, the range of income that's gonna be at issue in the double dipping. So if you only 
took the, the full income value for calculating spousal support, that would lead to a situation where, you know, he's being assigned this extra $160,000 in income. So it's interesting because here I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking, okay, but you know, Cody, why is this, why should I be concerned? You know, I, it makes sense to me. What you're saying is we have to apportion, you know, what it is for labor. So who cares? Then you have a client listening or a you know, potential client saying, okay, but tell me, why is this a problem for me? Why should I be really concerned about how this is done? Yeah. So this is going to really be an issue at the property division of stage of the divorce. So usually in a divorce, the court will go through all the assets that the parties acquired during the marriage and divide them equitably. In most cases, that looks like a 50-50 arrangement, but that can be varied depending on the facts and circumstances. So in this case, the court would already consider Jim's business interest and allocate a certain percentage of that as marital property belonging to his spouse. And usually that takes the form of a buyout. So if the, the court determines that the business is worth, let's say, 1.2 million by capitalizing the income over a series of time or period of time, then they're going to take half of that value and say, this is the spouse's share. You can either sell the business and give your spouse that amount of the proceeds, or you can simply buy them out. So if Jim were to buy out his spouse and then later have that same income that he's already paid for through the buyout be uh, considered for spousal support purposes, that would lead to him paying a much larger spousal support obligation than he would legally be entitled or required yeah. to. It's very similar, and, I, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts and, and examples that I came to my mind in my dealings in some of these cases where what I say, I call double dipping and you do too. And, and it doesn't necessarily, if guys are listening, uh, it applies to not just, I mean, to a lot of things instead of businesses. For example, um, I had a client who had um, money sitting in an account uh, from rental income on a property. They wanted to count it as property and income at the same time and assign him both, give him the full property value of 50,000 and then count that 50,000 as income. And I looked at the judge and said, they, got, they can't have it both ways. It's either property to be divided or income to be allocated. And I think there are guys out there that maybe that applies to them. Uh, and now, of course, and we'll talk about this in a minute, it, it varies jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But for example, in Missouri, it can't be both ways because then what's happening is you know, that, that property is not really worth it because you're taking income from it. You're taking spousal support out of it. So does that really apply in your double dipping theory, you know, whether it's not just business valuations, but a different property like that? Yeah, in theory, the, the rule can apply to any kind of income generating property. So that would include things like pensions. That's where the, the rule traditionally originated businesses, uh, real property that are being used for rental purposes, anything there. Even in the toughest of times, there are usually opportunities for relief. Many husbands and dads listening now are struggling to stay current on alimony and child support orders. You should know that this crisis may allow you to modify your support obligations, but time is of the essence. If you're a guy needing help right now, not someday when things are back to normal, call us at Cordell & Cordell. This is what we do. I've even applied it and it kind of as an argument for um, savings. So I had someone say, 
okay, we want to split that $50,000 savings account. We'll take 25, you take 25, but we want to use the 50,000 as income. And I said, well, you can't, you know, it's, you can't do it both ways. It can't be property. Again, it's that adage of property and income. It's one or the other. It can't be both unless, for example, let's just say you have rental income or rental properties. The property itself may have some inherent value based upon the rental stream, but the income taken out of it can be, because that separates from its value to be used for spousal support, child support, whatever it may be, attorney's fees. I mean, I think there are a lot of situations where guys may get trapped into that theory of it's both because it's to the advantage of the recipient spouse. They want to treat it as both because they, it is double dipping. They get the property and the income, right? Right. And I think the tricky thing about this and what some attorneys miss is that even when it might be both, you have to look at the particular business valuation or property valuation that's being used because in some cases, the property, there are components of that uh, business that are an asset and not a future income stream. So, you know, the, the building or the equipment that's being used to prepare the food in the fast food example, those things, part of their value is future looking, but part of it's present looking. So you might have to get into the weeds on what's attributable to each and really be careful about what kind of valuation model you're using. So, and, you know, guys obviously are listening around the country, if not the world, and you're licensed in Michigan. So there is a jurisdictional approach here, right? There, Every jurisdiction may take a different approach to the double dipping, you know, analysis, right? Right. Um, there, there's quite a variance on how jurisdictions approach this. All of them consider it to some extent. Um, that's largely in light of family law being an equitable area of law where mm-hmm. the court's going to consider all the facts and circumstances at hand and do what's fair, or at least what's fair in the court size. Um, that being said, some jurisdictions will almost completely ignore it, while others will consider it. And given the inherent inequity, inequities in that approach and double dipping on the, the business assets versus its future income, in my opinion, you, you can always raise an argument about it. Now, the strength of the court's going to attribute to that argument and how much weight they're going to afford to it, that can vary by jurisdiction. Yeah. So in, in Michigan, for example, we our courts take the approach that it's something to be considered, but there's no hard and fast rule. And part of that comes from our law surrounding spousal support and that it has to be an equitable determination that considers all the factors. So you can't have a hard and fast rule that would prohibit that. But again, because there are in, inherent inequities and unfairness and, you know, allowing double dipping in every case, you're always going to be able to make that argument. It's going to have some weight. Yeah. I mean, like Pennsylvania, I know you've looked at Pennsylvania. They have a different rule when it comes to property and support calculations, right? Right. So they take a more aggressive approach in including all types of property and income for support calculations. So if you're in Pennsylvania, you're less likely to make an argument successfully that the, the other side's making a double dipping argument. Mm-hmm. So, so child support, for example, I know in Missouri, we have and it's a lot of states around the country have a chart, uh, a formula, uh, a way to calculate it. Particularly in Missouri, we have the authority by statute and case law that says we can deviate uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, it could be excessive income above the top. It could be uh, any uh, expenses, it could be overall property distribution, custody schedules. I assume that uh, there are opportunities around the country 
or Michigan particularly, where you can deviate from child support on the if double dipping becomes an issue? Yeah, so this is an area of the law that's really not fleshed out too much. Um, the best we can get is that some courts have hinted at it being a possible basis for a deviation. Um, that being said, a lot of that discretion on whether to grant a deviation lies with the trial court judge. So if you can make this argument convincingly and give the judge a legal justification for why it would be appropriate, there's a good chance you might get some or all of that income excluded. And I think as we kind of wrap up the segment, the point is, is and, and with anything, and we've always tried to say is that planning, proper planning, proper strategy, proper analysis, you know, uh, is so key, I, I know you'll agree, is so key and critical. When you, you know, when you meet with an attorney to look at what you have, um, there isn't a cookie cutter divorce necessarily, or you should never go unrepresented because something like this double dipping can happen when you don't even realize it. So, I mean, the takeaway really is what? I mean, for, for your purpose. I would say if you're approaching the divorce process as you know, a party to the divorce, I think the most important thing is to find an attorney that's going to dig into the weeds, look at the specifics of your case, and not just take the income numbers as they appear on paper and actually look at where those numbers are coming from and what the legal effect of that is. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it's the whole approach. I mean, if it were that simple, everyone could do it. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, we have 300 plus lawyers and we're, you know, in the UK and we have a collective experience. And, and I've always said we unapologetically step on toes if necessary and, you know, intelligent aggression and making sure it's a smart move, but planning, you know, and I've always said it's divorce. It's, you know, you'd never go into war without planning, without strategizing, without knowing where you're going. You wouldn't just say, well, let's just go right into this country. Uh, it's the same thing, you know, with, with divorce. You know, we have a book on it in terms of divorce being the equivalent of war, and it requires strategy, it requires planning. And for example, as I started in the beginning, consultation with an attorney who focuses their practices uh, exclusively on family law is the best hour you'll ever spend. So. Cody, thanks for uh, bringing this. This is a great topic that we haven't talked about. Uh, and I know it's worthy of more conversation for guys listening. So I encourage them to schedule a consult. So thanks for joining. I agree completely. Thanks for having me. So continue to tune in twice every week. Bring information just like this. Small segment of the, or of the topics for you so you can tune in and get in the weeds and get granular with some of the information that's appropriate and applies to you. So make sure to schedule your registration for our virtual town hall coming up in March. Continue to tune into these podcasts and send your questions to townhalls at cordelllaw.com. Until next time, have a great week. <laughs>